Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. Ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, welcome to the show today. My guests are Heather Johnson and Misty Moore. And we are talking today about depression and anxiety, which no one's ever heard of before, right? Welcome, ladies. Thank you for being with me it's today. A new topic. New topic. Okay. And uh, I wanted you here today because a few weeks ago you posted about your experiences with depression and anxiety in your life, and you're like one of the happiest people I know. So at first I'm like, whatever, this is just a joke, and it's not really true. <laughs> so kind of give me a little update on, on what, you, what, what, you, what you posted, and then kind of your experience with that. And yeah, thanks we'll so much there. for having us. Sure. Misty and I are happy to be you here. You are so welcome. It's good to have you both. Thank you, Brian. So, um, yeah, a few, a few weeks ago, I just had this thought... I don't think that I've really opened up to people that are close to me, like via Instagram or other places, about this struggle that I have with anxiety and depression. And it's like a constant roller coaster of trying to figure out if I'm doing everything I need to to treat it. Am I, am I even feeling okay? Like checking in with myself. Can I stop you? Yeah. You said you didn't feel like you could tell people. Why? Well, I didn't want to. And this is not meaning that I agree with this. This is where I was wrong, in my opinion. I didn't want to burden anybody about it. And I didn't want to be a complainer on social media. Like, oh boy, let me guess, another person that has a struggle, you know, that we can't relate to. Like, oh great, you know, so boo-hoo for you. But I wanted to, I didn't know anybody would react to it at all. And it wasn't... I, it's not like it's viral or anything, but I got a lot of people calling and texting and asking me for help. And then you contacted me and said, man, that was a cool post. I, I really want to talk to you about it. And I didn't realize that it really made a difference, but I'm glad that it had in some small way. So I don't know. So <clears throat> how long have you been? Is this like your whole life just recently? That's a good question. Um, I think being a mom, uh, I have four kids, and being a mom... There's no stress in that. No. Um, <laughs> but I believe it escalated after marriage. And well, yeah. I don't know why. I mean, my husband's amazing. Weird. <laughs> he really Married is. Married to amazing. an alien, <laughs> alien life form that we are as men. Yes, bizarre gender man. Um, no, he's the, he's the greatest, but... Um, there was sort of a sense of like lost purpose, I think, in a way, when I look back on it. And it's fine, because I still found ways to be happy. I'm always like silly. I'm kind of the goofball class clown. I've been sent to the principal's office several times in my life. And not, not you just You probably redefined <laughs> what being sent to the principal's office yes. means. Right. Yes. Okay. So I've, I've had a, I have a fun life, and I have a lot of fun with friends. I love, I love being silly, dancing, singing lip-syncing, you know, being crazy. I love that, you know, to a point. <laughs> then sometimes I want to just completely crawl into a hole and disappear. And, like, what purpose does that serve, you know, for anybody? Um, but the benefit, 
<laughs> it's hard to, this is hard to describe, but I think the benefit of recognizing that there was a problem was probably actually before I was married. Um, I realized I had depression. I, I believe it was kind of caused by an event. I had a couple of things happen when I was college age and talked to a psychiatrist who was wonderful, a dear friend as well to our family. And um, he helped me a lot. Um, that was the first time that I ever did any kind, had any kind of medi- like medical help too, like medicine. Um, and it was short-lived and then I was off. It was just like a little phase for a few months and then kind of back to life and doing the thing. I don't know how much history you want to know, but um, I think after children, it was rough. I don't think, it's hard to even remember. Do you, you know, I try to remember what it was like. I, I think my third and fourth child, I was in a bit of a hole, like a funk hole. And I would describe it as depression, postpartum depression and during those times. But laced throughout my entire life has been this little fun undercurrent that seems to travel in directions I'm not expecting, if that makes sense. Like, you know, you're moving one way and you feel like a pull. It was anxiety. And the feeling that anxiety gives you is just a sense of unease, like incredible discomfort uh, physically. I... Um, you know, racing heart, sometimes you'll have, and it's sometimes for no reason, most of the time. It's for no legitimate, like... No reason that you can identify. That I can identify. Like, the first time I had a panic attack, full-on panic attack, was when I was a girls' camp director for a stake of about 400 girls. No pressure there. No pressure. And on the outside, you think, well, it's because you were the director of (laughs) the stake. But I can't pinpoint... I was having a blast. Like, it wasn't like, oh boy, you gotta impress so-and-so. Like, don't... I don't even care. I, I don't care. I want. I wanted the young women to have fun, and we did have fun. There wasn't, like, a tangible reason, like, I'm sitting here thinking my goal is to impress everyone, and if I fail, then I'm awful, or... You know, I, I really just wanted to do well at what I was doing. I wasn't sleeping well. And I think that that's a big contributor to my anxiety. So when I'm sleeping better, I have less, I suffer from less anxiety. It's not just a worry or concern. It can sometimes feel like an impending doom. It can feel like everything is shattering, everything's ending. I don't know. Misty, do you have anything like to add to that, like to describe how it feels? I don't know. And I think anxiety for everyone's got to be a little bit different. Yeah. Right? And I've I mean, I've definitely heard that, you know, the number one cause of anxiety and depression is sleep deprivation. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, new moms, you know, you don't sleep much, and so your anxiety and your depression increases. So that makes sense for after you have children. Later on down the road, and I can speak for myself as I have a really <laughs> big healthy chunk of perfectionism in me. And so for me, mine kicks in in the perfectionism. So as you're talking about the girls can't think, I'm thinking... For me, I'd be like, okay, was this done well? Was this done right? Was this done right? Mm. Was this person okay? Was this person okay? Was this person okay? And so for me, it kind of builds in my chest, and it starts to be that slow kind of panic, you know, that was this perfect enough? Mm. So I think for me, that's how my anxiety feels. I have had a panic attack, and that's like nothing. It's indescribable. It's different than an anxiety attack. A panic attack feels like, to me, it feels like a heart attack. You're frozen. You can't move. 
you can't breathe. And I'd only had two. And one of them, luckily enough, I had my brother call me right in the middle of it. And I just said, I can't move. I was stuck in a car with four kids. I didn't know what to do. And he just talked me off the ledge. And I don't know, I really, that, that time I don't know. An anxiety attack is different for me. I can usually talk myself off. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know there was really a difference. So that's, that's cool. And I think, yeah, funny you said, my, my wife's had one that ended up in the emergency room. She thought she was having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And you almost, for the sake of just knowing something, you almost want them to say, yeah, it was a heart attack. Right. But when they say, yeah, we can't find anything, mm-hmm. or might be this, hey, probably distressed. You're like, really? I just came into the emergency room? I felt like your I was heart dying. stops, your arm hurts. Like, I remember the it very well. Symptoms of a heart attack. frozen. Yeah. yeah. So, how do you handle? How do you do? What do you, what do, you do to. Like, what am okay, I. Now, now that you've had it in your whole life, most of your, well, most of your adult life, can you kind of tell when they're coming, when it's coming, or is it just. Yeah. Does it just show up unannounced? Like, it, it depends. So, um flash forward to just a few years ago I can't even think like probably four years ago and I knew I needed to talk to a doctor so we have a friend who's a doctor who's a trusted friend who I went to his office was asked questions by the nurse that embarrassed it embarrassed me to answer those questions it did I'll admit it was hard to say it was just hard to even address the reality of the situation do you mind sharing yeah, like, like, like the question, the average questions, like, h- how often are you feeling this way? What do you feel? So I'm having to tell someone that I don't know, like, how I felt, and that's kind of scary. I've had friends that don't go to the, don't want to go to the doctor because they're scared to do that. But I have to say, it's so important to be open with your doctor and their staff because you're not going to get any help if you don't do it, and you want help. In the thick of it, you don't even know that you need help sometimes. It's it's just tricky. It's so tricky. Um, so I the reason I bring her up, she was so sweet, but I saw her later that night at an event, and I was so embarrassed. That she'd seen your dirty she laundry. She had heard me say how hard things are for me right now, and, and then here I am, like, kind of smiling again and sort of putting on a front that I'm here enjoying my son's band concert. Everything's great. It was so embarrassing for me. She may not have even recognized me. I don't know. But but flash forward to just talking to my doctor, he was so reassuring and so helpful. And I never felt, I never felt judged. I never felt the things that I thought I was going to feel. Like several years ago, this was a very shameful topic. This is recently, you know, and... Now I feel it's so important to talk about it openly because there are too many people feeling that their problem is shouldn't be anyone else's burden. We shouldn't share this. This is this is no big deal probably compared to so and so. I mean, they've they've got real problems. I'm just over here feeling nervous. You know, but anxiety is crippling. It is so crippling and depression is a dark cave of Un- unknowns and uh, it's just I don't know it's hard to describe it no you I, I I've only experienced it once and it was three years ago on a job it was really stressful I was an account manager at a marketing agency didn't really like what I was doing I've been kind of struggling for purpose 
and I was jokingly making suicidal thoughts or mm. making suicidal comments. You know, if there's a train coming and I could just jump right in front of that. Yuck, 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 yuck. I'd go in the hallway or the stairwell and pray and cry just just for that feeling to go away, just so I could at least function. Whoa. And I walked away from my job because right during the, the time we were building a house, which was dumb as I look back, but at the time, I knew, I just, all I could see was I just have to get out of this scenario because I felt like that was causing it for me, just the stress of that. And you don't see, as you look back, you're like, I could have worked that, I could have worked through that, but when you're in it, there's you no see nothing. Re- I, that, no and so yeah, I've heard of depression my whole life, and my mm-hmm. sister was diagnosed clinically depressed. I didn't even know what that meant. I had no, I didn't even know what that mean or meant. And it's awful. It's a, it is. It's a. You, I can see why people take their lives. They just want it to go away. But we have to change that. It can't yeah. keep happening. Right. I. I feel very strongly that nobody else nobody else should ever allow this to overwhelm them we've had enough loss we've had enough people feel alone feel that they can't turn back like this can't happen anymore we have to we have to end it and I don't know how but I've got ideas and I've well, we've got to get this going. Talking, we've got to Just talking it about out. it, like we're doing <laughs> yeah. right now, just well, sharing it. the silence of it, too, just like you talked about with that nurse. You know, my question was, as you were saying that, I'm like, what was the shame in that? It was my unknown. I think my lack of experience. And no one was really talking about it. This was only, like, what, four or five years ago. I feel like it's being talked about more now, which is great. Maybe it's because my hairdresser passed. Yeah, like everyone's been telling me forever. <laughs> because I mean, it's that someone to talk to, someone that you trust that you can tell this to. I think it's this. You know, we're all try to be so tough and have a tough face, and we don't want anyone to know we have weaknesses. And uh, and everyone does. But you had nobody's there's exempt. Not a person, there's not a person I've met, you know, in my chair that doesn't have some pain, and they don't. And they don't have someone to talk to. And I think that for for me, when I look at, and I've had very close friends of mine take their lives, I think that's the number one thing is they didn't have a person. And they may have had a person, but they didn't know they had a person. Right. Because like Brian said, you, you make these irrational decisions when you're in that pit. And nobody is, no one is thinking clearly there. You cannot impose judgment on someone. It makes no sense to the observer that chooses to take their life yeah. because I don't even know how much of it's a choice. I, I strongly believe that compassion has to be the number one motivation here. It's not just to end statistic numbers. We need to really make sure that people understand that their problems are, that they're reachable, that their problems are solvable. We can help each other. It all comes down to a connection we have to talk to each other. We have to be okay to quote unquote burden someone else. And if there's somebody that is listening that is right now in a pit where they truly believe that they don't have anyone to talk to, call me, call Misty, call Brian, call 
anyone because you're not a burden. I don't know. I just don't want anybody to ever feel like they have to just hold it in. That's the worst possible place to be when you feel that's the only thing you can do. And then you take the next step, which is worse. So stop. Realize that this is not how you're supposed to be feeling and that there's help. There's always a there's always help. Everything that is you're not alone in those feelings. That most likely someone you call at some time or another has absolutely felt that way. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? It's kind of a silly story. Do you mind if I tell the story of this panic attack? Please tell it. Because <laughs> it's kind of sad right now, and I don't want to talk sad, but this is funny <laughs> to me now to talk about it. Um, and I've told it before. I even told it in like a church talk <laughs> over the pulpit. I think people were like, what is she doing? Like but, if you don't want her to speak, don't invite her to speak. <laughs> it's open mic Heather time here. Open mic Sunday. <laughs> like you asked for it. So um, I, the, this is the first experience that I had with like severe anxiety. So so severe I knew exactly what it was the, sep- the second it started. I was woken up um, in my tent. And again... If someone doesn't understand what girls camp is, it's like girls that are 12 to 18 years old that all belong to a certain church congregation. And I was asked to be the director of this camp. It's like five days, four nights, up in the hills. It was beautiful. It was amazing. So fun. Um, But at night I was woken up and I think it was like the second night that we were there. I was sleeping in a tent with one other leader and she is darling and amazing and would have been there had I asked her to be easily if I had just gone hey I think I'm having a struggle here can you help me but my anxiety mind was saying you can't breathe right now and you're going to have an accident here in the sleeping bag or you're going to throw up everywhere you need to get to the bathroom right this second and do not this was the funniest thought Absolutely do not wake up your friends. <laughs> you can't wake her up. She needs to be sleeping. And here I'm trying to breathe. But I, I remember thinking, I know that what this is. This is this is an attack. I don't know what do you want to call it. And I knew I couldn't breathe. I couldn't think straight because I was thinking that I know how to figure this out. I just need to get to the bathroom without waking anyone up. So I don't know how much time passed. But I was gearing myself up to unzip the sleeping bag, get my shoes on quietly, and take my phone that had that was my source of flashlight and go run. I was about to just hightail it to the bath, to the um, latrine. And I hear a mountain lion. Howling in the woods? <laughs> no. <laughs> it was like the low... It was chilling, like horrifying sound, right? But while I'm having the attack, I went, oh great, there's a mountain lion in my mind, thinking, ah, I'm gonna have to wait a minute before I go to the bathroom. That's gonna help anxiety, a mountain lion. And then I'm not sure. <laughs> but in my mind, I wasn't panicked about the mountain lion. That's so funny. I went, how long has it been? Has it been 40 minutes? Has it been 30 seconds? Okay, I think now I can make it. I'm gonna make it to the bathroom. I unzip. The tent. I don't know. I'm not kidding. In hindsight, I think it was like 15 seconds after I heard 
<laughs> mountain lion. And I get running, my flat, my battery dies on my phone. So the flashlight dies and I'm in pitch black darkness and I run. I don't know if I'm gonna hit a tree. I don't know what direction I'm going, but I kind of see a faint light in the distance. <laughs> oh, so it's probably gonna take me about three minutes to get there, but I'm gonna sprint and I sprint and I'm like going in the dark. I remember thinking, ah, I hope I don't trip over the mountain lion. <laughs> I get to the bathroom and nothing. I still just feel complete angst, can barely breathe. I'm like gasping for air. And I just start pacing around the pavilion. I'm safe. I made it. But nothing. I couldn't go to the bathroom. I wasn't sick. I couldn't. I didn't know what, what to do. And eventually, my friend Emily, who I still thank to this day for being there, she comes early to the kitchen to grab some stuff for her little camp. They needed some food from a cooler. And this is like, at this time, it was about 5.30 or 6 in the morning. Well, my attack had happened at about 3 a.m., pitch black. And I don't know what I was doing between that, those hours, just walking around inside the pavilion. I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. I can't remember it. But she starts talking to me. I said, I think I've had an anxiety attack. She goes, oh, man. And she starts telling me about some things and sort of changing the subject and talking about normal things and in just a really friendly way and funny. And eventually my attack dissipated. I, I don't even know how. I don't know if it was just because she was so calming for me, diverting. I don't know. I don't know the answer. But every time I've had an attack and then it's been interrupted or slowed down or stopped by something that's not medicinal or it was someone changing my course with or without my um, desire or <laughs> approval, just coming in. And I, so I recognize that for me, when, I, when my friends say, what do I do if you're having this happen? First, pass me to Ativan. Second, change the subject with me. Take just, me somewhere different. Say, that's what I need. Some other people need you to just scratch their back softly and tell them you love them or just hold them. Some people need uh, what I mean. Well, what I'm hearing you say is human connection. Yes. Yes. Because in those moments, I mean, you would rather be eaten by a mountain lion. <laughs> I didn't. You didn't even think so that. So you right? were like, I'm going to be eaten by a mountain lion rather than wake up my friend. <laughs> like, I think that speaks volumes bad. about people when we are in total and sheer panic, depression of any kind. We would rather die, pretty much, be eaten by a mountain lion than make than an reach ass of over and then to reach over and actually ask somebody else. Then miss the bathroom. I didn't, I was so nervous I would wake her up, trouble her. I think that's a general theme for us in our life, what right? Is that? Like, why can't we just look at somebody and say, "I'm just not okay. I'm just not okay." And what the more more importantly, once you do that, what do we, as the friend, as the person, mm -hmm. what do we do to say, "Here I am." Well, and that's the and the number one thing, and we're doing it right now is vulnerability, right? Yeah. You got to be vulnerable enough to say, be the person to ask, and then vulnerable enough to reach out and grab someone's hand. Even if it makes you uncomfortable, but if someone reaches out to you, I think the number one thing you do is just grab their hand because I think human connection, whatever form that is, even if you can't touch people, if you have a weird touch thing, I think, you know, which some people do, you know, I Express think, what that thing yeah, is that you Acknowledge need. somebody, you, you know, take a class in empathy for two seconds and just go, oh my gosh, I can't believe you feel like that. I am so sorry. Boom. People shift. That's been my experience. I think some of the best words, how can I help? 
even though the person may not know how to tell you, but just saying, I, I, what can I do? I like it. They, here's the problem, Brian, is they can't answer that. Right. In the thick of it. But mm-hmm. I don't know if the words matter as much as you just, your presence. Mm-hmm. And for different people, it's going to be different. Everyone is so different in this. Some people say, whoa, no, don't do this, don't do that. And they have a list, which is great. Listen to them. And, and do it because it could be life-saving for them. We None of us know if we're going to get to the point where, like, where you were. Did you ever in your wildest dreams think that you would be in that staircase, Brian, like, worried about mm. taking your own life? Oh, that happened to other people. I, I had a coworker who would tell me all the time how he suffers with depression and anxiety, and I just, buzzing noise to me, didn't care because I didn't know what it meant. Well, now I do. Maybe that was God's way of saying Oh yeah, Mr. Not Caring? How about a little dose of this? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry about your friend. And I'm sorry that you had to deal with that because um, it's devastating. It, there's nobody that's going to be better off in your life because you're not there. Yeah. There is nobody that is going to be benefited by your loss. So whoever is in your mind telling you that you don't matter and that you are not important and that you're not enough or you're not good enough for your spouse or you're not good enough for your kids or you're not a good enough worker or you're not a good enough boss or you're not a good enough leader or whatever the negative talk is in your mind those are all lies whatever that voice is it's lies because I feel that depression is the number one deceptor. It is not reality. It is not real. Do not allow those thoughts to control your behavior. Reach out immediately and don't stop reaching out. Be patient with us. People around you, you need to be patient with us. It's it's not easy to know what to do. Sometimes you think when someone's in a state of depression or anxiety that they want to be alone. They think they want to be alone because they don't know what to do. They do not actually need to be alone. That's the worst thing. Yeah, it's true. And I definitely am one of those that does that. I just need my space. Just go away. But you know, I have great friends that go, I'm just going to sit here. Do you say that? Why do you say I don't want to burden anyone. Again, that's that's funny. I don't want to burden anyone. And I I got this. And I am very much the girl that goes, I got this, I got this, I got this, it's fine, I'm good. No, I'm fine, I'm good. And I'm there for a lot of other people, but allowing people to be there for me is a really hard thing. Maybe we need to change the language from I've got this to we've got this. And every time you're thinking, I've got this, I'm going to just retreat to my little hole, Mm -hmm. which is what I do. And even Mm -hmm. still, even though I'm getting the help that I need, Mm -hmm. I still need thinking I need Mm -hmm. to be alone and to go and and take a break and be away from everything. But that's not necessarily what I need. I really do need connection. I need friendship. I need love. I need acceptance. I need a text that just says you're awesome. You do that. You do that for you do that for people all the time. You and I won't talk and out of nowhere I'll just get the hey missed I'm thinking about you. I just want you to know I love you. And I think that is such a I mean but that maybe that's why people look at people like you or people like me who they're like, oh no they're fine. They seem fine. You know, the people that you think are the most fine. Worry about them the most. Worry about them. Truthfully, they don't got it. 
or we define what I got this means, redefine it, or, or yeah. define it for that setting. Mm-hmm. You know, what we does that mean? Other. We do need each other. And um, one more quick thing I wanted to share with you, this because I thought it was so interesting, is when I first went in, I, was so, I felt so good after that doctor's appointment because I felt like, okay, <laughs> this actually is a real problem for me. To put a label on it. Yeah, like, to, well, just to understand what's going on, that I'm not just this weirdo that's always feeling, like, on edge, and I'm, I'm sending vibes to people that I'm mad at them when I'm not, and I'm, I'm being cold to people when I'm actually just thinking about how am I going to just get through this next hour, you know, and I don't even know that I'm being perceived that way because I'm just so in my head, right, and feeling all the feelings, the racing heart rate, the shaky, the nervous, like, I, um, so I'm talking to someone very close to me, uh, this person said, well, hey, the first reaction was, I, I don't know if you should talk about this to your kids. And I said, I am going to talk about this to my kids all the time. My kids need to know that, that how I feel is not their fault. So does everybody around me that's close. I think it's so helpful when people know that I have it. I can just say, hey, guy, I, I'm, gonna, I'm having a night. I'm having a moment, you know, and people understand. They give me space and they understand that. I'm not mad at them. I'm not trying to like blow them off. That I just need a minute and I'll I'll be back. You know, I'll be back. So but, don't say I'm fine. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I told my kids. I talked to my kids about it and I told them about medication that I was starting at that point and how it was going to help me. And how I was so grateful that I finally reached out and got help. And eventually, this person that was saying don't don't tell your kids who's just like my number she's a great advocate she said tell me what this is about or tell me what it feels like and so I explained to her a little bit about what it feels like and she said you know what I experience that all the time I have that all the time I feel that every day and she never told anyone no she didn't know how she didn't identify it so why don't we you just talk about it mm-hmm. and then guess what maybe it will help other people realize that that feeling that they think is normal because it's just all the time that this severe angst what if it's not normal for you to feel that way what if you need to not feel that way you need to feel good and get help and it's not don't go one way when you definitely should be coming the other way toward people toward connection toward your friends don't ever feel that you're a burden it's I in my experience talking about anxiety and depression I do not care if it annoys anyone that I talk about it I don't care because if there's someone within earshot that can say wait what Heather like this crazy like silly person that seems so confident all the time which I do have a lot of confidence and I'm not as concerned about you know looking weird or something but not everyone feels that way about themselves so but yes I too suffer from this it's not like it's only saved for people who seem depressed or seem withdrawn or seem antisocial or seem down like the happiest looking and appearing person could be the one that's suffering the most just know that there's always a story always always Boom. Thank you. Mic drop. And you're loved. Every single person is loved. Um, I had a I had a someone reach out to me and say, 
my daughter's experiencing these things. What can I do? What can I do? And I just said, just listen. Like, just be with her. Like, I'll be with her. Have her call me. I'll come with her. I'll be with her. Like, just don't let them be alone. And don't ignore. Don't ignore the thoughts that come to your mind. There's one thing I can say. We all have those moments where someone or something will come to our mind and we just go, no, I don't want to bug them. No, it's not okay. If you start thinking about someone, reach out to them, even if it makes you seem silly. And I have that because I, you know, I don't want to bother anyone. I don't want to step into someone's space. But those are the times where you're alone, it's quiet, you feel sad, you feel alone, you feel lost, and your phone will go off or someone will knock on the door and, you know, and, and they just, they have a sense about it. So just don't ignore those, you know. And I always joke, I have a paid friend. It's my therapist. He's awesome. Everyone gets a paid friend. You really don't want to burn anyone, pay your friend, and go see him. Therapy has been huge for me, too, and I, I don't... I don't think there's just one way to handle this, but I do feel that you find what works best for you, and you have your people help you mm-hmm. find those those uh, solutions. Mm-hmm. Whether it is medication that's needed and finding the right dose, or switching medications and finding the right dose of that, or figuring out how to get on a better schedule so you're getting good sleep, or cutting things out of your life that are adding pain and hard, like more difficulty to your life. Mm-hmm. Cut out like the- Thanksgiving. <laughs> Yes, that's why I'm going to be in California for Thanksgiving. (laughs) It's going to be great. I have this theory about holidays and why people are so (laughs) jacked up. (laughs) One, we eat the most horribly zero nutrition food for the most part and and the treats and the sugar that comes around. How is this a problem? (laughs) I'm not seeing it. I see your... you going with that? We eat so much garbage. That's one, I think, one thing. Yeah. Around the holidays, and then everybody's like, oh, well, you've just ingested like seven pounds good. of fudge. Yeah, you don't but, feel you know, good. That's an, maybe another story for another topic. It is. But, I think that's a good point, But though. yeah, the stress is Taking a, care of your physical yeah. health is probably uh, one of the best things you can do for your mental health. I think that's a really yeah. important. Agreed. Yeah, for sure. Okay, take care of the carcass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you say that, do you mean at the end of Thanksgiving dinner, I get the leftover turkey? Is that what you, or you're saying take care of my body? <laughs> you fill in whatever you want. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it's like, it sucks, but it's normal kind of thing. Yeah. Because it is. It's so many, I don't think there's anyone, I mean, not that everyone has depression or clinically diagnosed with something, but again, everybody has something and just knowing that we're all part. And not only that, but I think you can go through your whole life and never, ever, ever have experienced anything. And then, wham, it hits you right in the face. I've had plenty of friends that are, and they're like, what? Where did this come from? Is this? Yeah, not knowing what it is. is, Yeah. I don't know what to do. I didn't know what to do with it. What's wrong with me? And how am I going to get through this? And what am I going to do? And, you know, and I think that's when people go, well, you're not really alone in that. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you have had this really charmed and wonderful life. And I've had people say that. I've had a great life. I have the best family. I have the best parents. I have the best. Everybody's so good to me. Why Why do I feel this way? What is wrong with me? Like, there's nothing wrong with you. It's not a you cause just, and effect. You feel mm-hmm. what you feel. It's just what you feel. Right or wrong. It just is. And now that you feel this way, let's figure out what it is. And how you're going to get to the other side of it. And who's going to help you get there. Yeah, that's so important. 
it's easy to look back like I said look back at mine and and think oh I could have now looking back now mm-hmm. I could have totally dealt with it just talk to somebody my I'll wife somebody mm-hmm. but when you actually when you're in it and people who are who are listening that maybe experiencing something like that for the first time yeah you have to reach out especially when you don't know what's going on well it's kind of like the theory and Misty will attest you don't cut your hair when you're pregnant Okay. <laughs> your hormones are not right. No, that's don't not, cut yeah, bangs. Don't be doing it. That's a, don't bump, cut that's your a own bumper bangs sticker. Yeah. I've ever heard one. Yeah. So, true. when you are in the thick of it, don't be making decisions that will alter your life course. True. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Stop and say, "Hey, trusted friend, or family, <laughs> or therapist, or doctor, I'm thinking about doing this thing. What do you think?" And they'll be like, no, <laughs> let's get you some help. Don't cut those bangs. It's not a good idea. You're not going to look good. You're going to feel. I had a dollar. <laughs> For everyone I've said that to, I'm like, we're going to come back to this a little later. <laughs> it's true. That's a great. I love it that. Is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because your hormones are raging. You're up and down. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that was really beneficial for me when I was in my last um, deepest two things that I want to point out that I think you can do for your friends if it works for them, which it did for me. When I was um, binge-watching Gilmore Girls from start to finish um, in my room by myself with my newborn, which was amazing. I love holding my baby. I never, thankfully, didn't have, like, the... I didn't want to harm my child or anything like that, but I had to, in my mind, when I was having postpartum depression, I had to hold her and be the one holding her and I had to be in my room with quiet. I'm just watching Gilmore Girls, just the two of us. And every once in a while, another kid would kind of peek in, like, mm, what's going on, and then leave. And But my oldest son, Briggs, was just excellent at this. He would come in and come over, no matter how prickly I may have looked or appeared, or a, maybe a look I shot him that seemed angry, when in reality, I think I was just lost in a weird zone. He would just kind of hover right over me and hug me and hold me. And this is a young boy. You know, he wasn't... That's that's rare. And he would just hold hold on to me like a sweet hug and then he'd walk out and I'd think that felt so good. Mm-hmm. And, and I had another friend that was so funny. Um, I was starting to experience depression at the end of the pregnancy and she came I was laying on my bed, lying on my bed feeling just absolute despair and disgust and horror and yuck and I think she sensed it somehow I don't even recall how but she came to my house with food and treats and things and then she just got in my bed with me (laughs) and spooned me and just held me I did not know I needed that if I knew I would have said hey can you come spoon me (laughs) is that on the menu (laughs) right (laughs) well and and not everybody has the, the courage to do that, but I, I do, I just challenge people to understand that just doing something matters. Even if you just leave a message on their phone saying how much you love them or anything, it doesn't matter what you do, just do something to make sure you reach out to that person that's crossing your mind. Like Misty said, follow that, that gut that tells you you've got to reach out to this person. There's more to it, you know, than just... It's not a coincidence, usually. 
I'm trying to think which friend I would have called to spoon me when I was going through this. <laughs> Not me, bro. I wouldn't have done this. <laughs> hmm. I wonder how that would have worked out. <laughs> I don't think that I don't think your wife would appreciate anybody coming over and doing that. But there's something that you could have used yeah. if you'd been able to oh, yeah. reach out. Yeah, just knowing what it was. And, Someone in- and the irony of the whole thing is my wife works at a residential treatment center. She's around this all the time. And I didn't even think that she could be a resource to me. I was probably I, embarrassed. I think, I, think I was embarrassed. I don't think you're in your right mind. No, I think that's what happens is you're just, it's like my moment, my panic attack. I'm like, I literally did not know what to do. Just didn't know what to do. I just was frozen. And, you know, thankfully my brother called me out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know what's going on here. And he's like, well, I'm just going to keep talking to you until you can breathe normal. So it's interesting how just people just will have a sense the right person will come along, right? Well, I've, I've, called, you right during a, I've called you during a panic attack. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Do you remember what happened? This Someone came and interrupted our phone call. I was at an event and someone came and grabbed my arm while I was talking to you, telling you, what am I doing? You're like, I'm coming right now. I'm in my car. I'm coming. You were going to come over to 30 minutes away to come to me. And I'm so glad I reached out to you. And then, do you know what's so interesting? You had me laughing even through the yucky. But someone comes and grabs my arm and says, you've got to come outside right now. My friend broke her arm. She's outside. <gasps> yes, I remember? do remember this. And then it totally got you. I just get and you right out of it, right? she's the sweetest girl. She brought us cookies later. We took her to the hospital. I do remember this. It was, it, a it crazy was the story. weirdest thing. Yeah. And I'm so thankful every time when I've discussed this with people, they always say, the only thing that's ever getting you out of it is other people. People are it's the answer. True. They, you may need severe, like you. You may need intensive therapies and medicine. Some people might just need a friend or a hug. It, one of you, one of your problems isn't necessarily more important than the other person's. Okay, like mm-hmm. on all levels here, we need connection, and we're lacking that mm-hmm. in this life. We're just lacking it. Which is ironic, we have all these devices that help us, quote-unquote, communicate better, but yeah, we don't know how to communicate, and we're so busy. Mm-hmm. And I wear, you know, like your brother, maybe had he been too busy to even sense that he needed to call you? Was it, you said your brother? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. just, like, say, diverting, you said someone just, mm-hmm. come outside and help. Yeah. Diversion therapy, that's and a good, diversion therapy. Like, well, hey, easy it here, I'm going through something. <laughs> I'm having a moment. I mean, if you knew my brother, I mean, he's an ex-Marine. Like, the guy is not gentle. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Fine. You know, I mean, that's kind of, and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm fine. You know, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, was it, he's not soft and gentle. He was, like, whispering sweet nothings to his sister going, you're going to be just fine, honey. Which is like, all right, you're good, right? Okay, now take a deep breath. And you know what? It doesn't have to be, for me, it was just like, oh, okay. It doesn't, I got doesn't have to be soft and cuddly. No, it doesn't. I mean, like you like you said, you don't need to be spooned. But if someone walked in the, in the, in the hallway Although, and be like, whew. hey, dude, you want to go get a Coke? You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm really not doing well here. <laughs> I would have been just fine. It doesn't have to look a certain way, and I think that's the thing. It's, you know, you don't have to be the most, you know, you don't have to necessarily look someone in the eye and grab them by the hand. I think just being there. Mm-hmm. And I think that number one thing that keeps coming to my mind as we're talking about this is people out there that go, I don't have anyone. And there's got to be, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of hands that would go up in a room that would say, well, I just don't have any people. And then there's a and lot of hands in the room. That is 100% alive. I will tell you how many times I will go to, we were just talking about this today, you'll go to a grocery store and I purposely will look at my cashier and smile. Because I don't know what she's going through that day. 
and you know or you know whoever is helping you on the other side of that and I think sometimes it really is it's just the small things and it's a delusion that you don't have anymore it really is it's an illusion and a delusion but I think you would be shocked you would be shocked yeah, how many people love you yeah and, and when you actually reach out to someone you go I'm not okay and they look at you and go yeah I'm not either mm-hmm. well seven years ago we had some friends whose son died of a heroin overdose and his dad got up at the funeral and said my son said he had no friends yet there are 800 of you in here today yeah yeah I lost I lost a friend in high school like that and he was I mean there wasn't a there wasn't a room in the entire stake center it was it flowed all the way outside and that sweet sweet boy just had no idea and that was my first experience with suicide and it has never left me because I just I think about him all the time still you know years I mean 20 plus years later I still think how could he have not known how much we loved him too many so that's part of the illness right that it clouds your judgment completely clouds it and not just clouds it it's like a wall it's like a vault and the only thing that really gets it open is that connection so how do we get through to these people who are suffering every individual who's suffering who thinks well that's that guy there definitely isn't going to be that many people my funeral someday yes there is (laughs) unless you're a butthole (laughs) (laughs) and if you are you probably have one friend (laughs) even buttholes have friends (laughs) their mother maybe their, their mom if she claims you, yeah. Yeah. Dang it. Yeah, that's that's the that's the one thing. But I worry I worry that there are so many of our youth that are suffering silently for many reasons, but our young people don't know how to connect. They don't even know how to talk to someone per face to face face to face. And maybe some of us adults could do our part by maybe like putting away what we think is important like phones and other things and looking at our kids and neighbors kids and cashiers at the store and looking them in the eye just acknowledging the humanity just acknowledging them talking to them listening to them say hello (laughs) weird teach them how to look into the eyes of someone else and talk that's uncomfortable though (laughs) I don't want to do uncomfortable things um Any f- final thoughts, like if someone was, if they take away nothing else from this, what, what would it be? Someone who, someone who's in it, or knows someone who's in it, or has been in it, doesn't want to get back in it, I don't know, something that they can, a nugget, because it's all been awesome, but maybe Thank just you. one final I think just don't be silent. I think that's what we keep saying over and over is, you know, don't be silent. Um, Anxiety is crippling and it's really hard to push through. And even if you can't say it, write it. If you can't write it, you know, just go sit next to someone, you know, but don't sit in it. Whatever you do, don't sit in it. But, um, yeah, 
don't know if I have any true words of wisdom. I think it's such a deep and painful thing for people. And and I don't want to minimize pain in any way because it is it is hard and it's and it isn't ever gonna be easy. And making a phone call won't be it, it it's not that you're gonna make a phone call and you're gonna feel amazingly better after. But it's gonna be a step in the right direction always to reach out. My my um, my hope that if anybody listens to this and isn't sure what to do because they're in that place, I want to tell that person that right now you're not thinking clearly and later, like when you have this coming to yourself of, oh wait, what was that later out? Which I hope you do. I hope you don't stay in this place, in this funk, in this dark depression. I don't want you to stay there and you don't belong there. People need you out, outside of that cave. We need you, <laughs> you're needed elsewhere. There's, there's nothing that you have done or could ever do that will make you unworthy of help and love and connection and relationships and friendship and potential and joy and everything that you dream of having in your life, you can have that. You're not the exception to that. You can have whatever you set your mind to, but you have to be willing to step out and get the support you need. Talk to a trusted doctor, talk to a therapist, talk to uh, a leader in your, at your work, whoever, whoever you can lean to, family. Um, you're not alone. And just because you've maybe had a bad experience with someone who maybe didn't take you seriously the first time, if you've tried to reach out and you think they don't care about me, try again. Give, give everyone a chance to help you because we, we all want to help you. And you're not, you are just not alone and you're too important to believe whatever lies are going on in your head. They're not, they're not true. Thank you so much. This Thank has been awesome. I, I know this is going to help somebody. Hope so. We're, we're not experts, but we, we just love know. people. You are experts in your Thank you. field. You're experience. You're an expert on your experience, and no one's had it like you. So, you know, I don't see a downside. Thank you. I hope not. Okay. Awesome. Thank you again for listening to the Parish to Thought Show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us.